Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Uh, I want to uh, uh, have you take your Bibles right quick and go to the book of Matthew. Matthew, first book in the New Testament. And um, Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to go to and begin reading in verse 18. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Uh, I want to take this moment to say hello to Brenda Mejia, who I call Brandingo. Uh, she is recovering from knee surgery, and so she plays bass up here. You know, you've seen that little bitty girl up here playing that big old bass guitar. Uh, but uh, Brenda, we love you very much, and we're praying for a speedy recovery for you, and we're glad that you could join us online today. And to all of you who are watching us by live stream, God bless you. We love you, and, and uh, we're thinking about you very much. Yeah. And all of you that are here, thank you for being here. Blessed to have all of you here today as well. We have a, a, a great, this is a great Sunday. We are putting an emphasis today on uh, foreign missions, um, uh, missions that go beyond where we are, where we live, where we are here to touch the entire world. Anybody believe that here today? Anybody believe that Jesus is the answer for the entire world? Huh? Or, or do you believe that all those other religions answer where he's not preached? Some people believe that. They think that some, you know, this religion is for these people, this religion is for these people, and, and somehow we all get there eventually. No, 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 no. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to the world. Yeah. See, God's convinced yeah. that his son is the answer for the world. He is, his son is the, the only answer to the world. Amen. Yeah. And, and whoever will call on his name will be saved, no matter where they're from. Amen. He's the answer for the entire world. Hallelujah. So everything else is just false. Everything else is puny and stupid. It's Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Amen. So uh, uh, praise God. I'm, I'm grateful to him because he said, I, if, you, if, if you'll get on this way, I'm the door. If, you, if you'll, no one comes to the Father. All those other religions, they're taking people to God, all right. They're taking him to the judge. All right. But Jesus said, I ain't taking you to the judge. I'm taking you to the Father. Amen. I'm bringing you right into a relationship with God. Amen. You can't build a road to the Father. You can build a road to the judge, but get on the road God built to you. Amen. The way of salvation through Jesus Christ. He'll take you to the Father. Into a family. I love that. God isn't just out there in the cosmos. He's not the big guy in the sky or the big man upstairs. He is our Father in heaven. Amen. I love that. Brought us right into a family, close family relationship with God. Amen. We were so far off at one point, but the scripture says we were far off. We were without God and we were without hope in the world. But praise God, by the blood of Jesus, we've been brought near to God. Amen. This is the, this is the message that the world needs to hear. Desperately, they're dying for it. They're crying for it. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And that ought to really comfort you and strengthen you today and encourage you to believe that anything then is possible if Jesus has all the authority that's in heaven and all the authority that's on earth. Hmm, that's good. Go, therefore, since I have all the authority, I'm telling you, go. What he just told you is it's limitless then. Your potential, your possibility is limitless. Go, therefore, where? And make disciples of how many nations? 
all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I like that it says every creature. Huh? That means you ought to be practicing on your house pets. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. Just start talking to your dog about him, huh? Practice it. Yeah. Amen. That, dog might, that dog might just get saved. You never know. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? That's good. <laughs> I love this. Let's look at Acts chapter, Acts chapter uh, where are we at? Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. This is Paul talking about his experience. He's talking about the time Jesus knocked him off his, off his mule, all right? I mean, here he was. He was heading to Damascus, and the reason he was heading there is because Paul was what we would call the Al-Qaeda or the ISIS of the day. I mean, he was a terror to the church. He was trying to destroy the church, destroy Christianity. He was out to take it out. All right, so he was, he was imprisoning people. He was beating people. He was doing whatever he could. He, even when Stephen, Stephen, the man of God, was being stoned to death, Paul was standing there consenting to his death, holding the jackets of those who were throwing the rocks. He said, let me hold your coat while you kill this guy. All right, he was, he was all into his religion. He said, so I said, who are you, Lord? So after the, the light shone from heaven and he's laying there on the ground, he says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people and as well from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Where did he say he's going? He's going to the Gentiles. Now watch this. Here's the reason. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow. Look at Acts chapter 13. I got to be quick. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. They've come to the synagogue and they're preaching to their own people, preaching to the Jews. Uh, spoken to you first, but do you remember what he said in Romans 1.16? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, okay, to the Gentile. So here he says, it was necessary the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, imagine that. You judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. See, God thinks you're worthy of everlasting life. He made you to live forever. In Christ Jesus, he created you for everlasting life. Jesus said, I know God's command, and his command is everlasting life. This is God's intention from the very beginning, to have you live and experience and relationship with him forever and evermore. All right? So he says, since you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Now look at this. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the, where? Ends of the earth. You should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Okay, so now Paul realizes that he has a great responsibility. 
they, they settled a matter, and I don't have time to go into it. They settled a matter about who's, who their audience would be. He and Jesus' disciples, Peter, James, and John being the big three. In Galatians chapter 2, you can read about this, how they made a decision together. They would all work together, but they, they would go to different people. And Peter, James, and John said, we're going to go to the Jews, and we're going to preach the gospel to them. And Paul and Barnabas said, we'll go to the Gentiles. And they made an agreement that that's what they were going to do. Peter, James, and John would go to the Jews, which made up a very small percentage of the world's population. And Paul and Barnabas had the burden of something like 99% of the world to preach the gospel to. But this is where God opened up this gospel that all of us could be saved. And the grace of God now has appeared to all men. So now we as the church, in this day, in 2017, we are still carrying out this mandate from God to go into all the world and to bring this gospel. All right? And so as a result of that, we are doing what we can in this town called McKinney, not only to be a light here in our community, not only to be a light where we are in Irving, not to only be a light in Granbury, not to only be a light through our podcast and through our live streaming, but to take this thing across the globe because this is what is in God's heart. All nations. Jesus deserves every soul for what he did. He deserves every soul. He, they, he, they, we are his reward. Heaven's not our reward. Us going to heaven is not our reward for anything we've done. Us going to heaven is Jesus getting reward for what he did for us. All right, you're his trophies. All right, you're his inheritance. This is a beautiful thing. So this is, this is what compels us to go into the world. It compels us to go, why, why do we go? Because we love him. All right, God didn't even tell you to love the sinner. Thank God for that. Huh? Lord, give me a heart for the sinner. You don't need a heart for the sinner. You just need a heart for Jesus. That's all you need. You don't want to go tell everybody because you love him and you can't get over what he did for you. And you realize the magnitude of his sacrifice. If he deserves everybody, then we got to tell everybody. Everybody has to have the chance to hear this message so that we can get Jesus his inheritance. Get him his reward for his amazing sacrifice, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again the third day from the dead. And when he did that, praise God, Jesus eradicated the sins of mankind. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. See, when Jesus died on the cross, God put his arms around the world. Hmm? He embraced us. Now we have a message to say, you have to embrace him back. He's embracing you right now. He's reconciled you. He's not holding your sins against you anymore. Praise God. This good and holy and just, God wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's done everything. Jesus through his, God through his son has done everything to make everything right with you and him. You, all you have to do is believe. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. Believe this gospel. Everything will change for you. So this is what we're do- We have a mandate from God as the church to be a light wherever we go. And so um, uh, we were at a funeral yesterday, uh, Pastor Jim Hester, who's been in my life for many years. He, he was my dad's pastor. He, uh, he passed away at the ripe age of 86 years old and uh, overcame a, a heart condition uh, where his grandfather and his dad both died right before they hit 60. And he thought that was going to be his demise too, but he got healed. And, and then he fought stage four uh, testicular cancer and beat it, walking by faith. And, and then just went home to be in heaven when he's decided, I'm ready to go now. You know, that's the way believers should, should die. 
when we're ready, when we've truly finished our course and we can say, I'm satisfied. I've done what God called me to do. I've finished the course. I've fought the good fight of faith. Huh? I have finished the race. I've kept faith. Hallelujah. That's God's plan for you, to go out victorious. Amen. So as we were there and we were celebrating Pastor Jim's life, I mean, it was just a marvelous Marvelous thing, and, and how, capturing his heart for the world. He pastored in Arlington for, for many years, and, and, then, and then after that, after he re- retired that position as pastor, then he started Jim Hester Missionary Ministries and just began traveling all over the world and, and raising up money support, support for missionaries and, and, and going in, to all these places and encouraging them and strengthening them, uh, telling them to stay strong in their task and to be courageous. Just, just a great man of God. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, he was so sold out to this cause, so sold out to this mission that um, uh, his, he was always scheduled here in America in churches to go preach to receive an offering because everything they took in, they gave to the missionaries, he, he and Miss Joanne. And so he asked, she always kept the calendar, kept the schedule for him. So one day he gets up, he said, he called her Squirrel. Squirrel, where am I going today? And she said, you're going down to Fort Worth, Texas to the, what was it called? The Slab? I think it was called The Slab. Uh, you're going to go preach to the homeless people there. He said, I can't do that on a Sunday morning. I can't go preach to homeless people. He said, that, that, I'm, I'm here to raise money for my missionaries. That, I can't take an offering from homeless people. And, and he said, I can't do that. I got to go. To, she said, you said you were going to go. You told this man you would come and you're going to go. And, and, and he said, uh, but I, I'm not, I can't raise any money. That's, that's pointless. I can do that some other time. She said, you made a commitment, Jim Hester, and you're going to go. So, well, he went. And he's standing there and these homeless people are gathered around and he's preaching, feeling like it's, you know, kind of a waste of his time, but taking the opportunity to preach the gospel, but thinking, man, this is, I, I could be making money for the missionaries right now. And he says, as I'm preaching along, he said, I notice a man that's standing there amongst this crowd that's got these handmade ostrich boots on. He's got his jeans creased, you know, you can tell he gets his, uh, all this stuff dry clean. There's a really nice shirt, this, this leather, custom leather jacket on and a, a real nice cowboy hat on. He said, and the prophet, the gift of prophecy came up in me. And he said, I thought, this man is no ordinary street person. <laughs> the, the gift is real, real discernment from God. And he, he said it was just kind of interesting how he just stood out amongst all those other people. And, and finally, after it was over, after it was over, this man approached him and said, Brother Hester, my name is so-and-so, and I heard what you said today, and I heard you told me how, you know, that you travel all over the world. He said, I want to do something for you. He said, I want to pay for your flights whenever you travel to go help these missionaries. And he said, you want to pay for my flights? He said, he said son, I, I don't think you understand how much I travel. He said, I, he said, sir, I don't think you understand how much money I have. <laughs> and for... The next however many years Jim Hester traveled all over the world, that man footed the bill for every flight taken care of. Praise God. So then he could put even more money toward the missionaries. Telling you, God is in this thing. God is in this thing of world missions. And, if, and, 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 and something that Jim Hester said, and this is what I wanted to get to at, at the funeral yesterday, something that they said that I remember that I used to hear him say over and over again. He says, go, go take this gospel to the world. But if you can't go, send somebody. Do your part. When all of us do our part together, we touch the world. Amen? There are the goers and there are the senders. Amen? So 
What part are you? What, where, where do you find yourself? And so here in just a moment, I'm going to have uh, Bud and, and Melinda Kick come up and, with uh, Ethan and Collins, and they're going to speak to you for a few minutes about their work in Swaziland, Africa. Um, but I just wanted to tell you, who the, we are supporting several missionaries uh, throughout the world. I'm going to give you their names right quick. I'm not going to go into the details of it. We'll do that again very soon. But Juan Galloway with New York City Relief in New York City, a guy I went to Christ for the Nations with, who has an incredible ministry to the street people, to the homeless people. His whole idea is to not overlook one soul, but to go to the places nobody else wants to go to, to reach those nobody else wants to reach, and, and to help bring them out of their, the gutters of life into real life. We also support Stephen Carey Graham in Namibia, South Africa, who do great work with children there. They've adopted their own kids. They've come here and, and spoke a couple of different times, but they do what's called church at the dump, where these kids gather. Uh, uh, Carrie saw a need. She saw these kids gathering around this dump, and some of them were scavenging for food and all kinds of stuff. So she just went out there one day and started talking to them. Before long, they started holding church services for kids out there at the dump. A marvelous thing. It's just grown and grown. We also support... Um, Charles Schlintz, Pastor Charles Schlintz of, of, of Kingdom Come Ministries, and they, he oversees Bible colleges in Ethiopia, and they also plant churches there, and we're, we're vested in that with, the, with him as well, and also Pastor Alan Hitchin in India. You know, I've been to India several times and done pastor's conferences there and done kids' crusades, and Pastor Alan is, he has a church there, a Bible college, and they reach out to an orphanage there as well. So right. these, are, these are the ones that we've been supporting on a monthly basis and, and, and praying for them. So I want to encourage you to do that, to be praying for them and how you can get involved. We're going to be putting some things together in the very near future, how you can get involved. If you want to go, we're going to put teams together to go and help these different organizations, these different people, and, and uh, whether it's building uh, you know, doing some manual labor or, or just going there to, to love on people, to preach, to train people. That's what we're here to do. We can do a lot when we're together. We really can. We can do so much. And uh, we want to just maximize on our potential as a body here, as a church, and do what we can do. Amen. All for His glory. And so uh, Bud and um, Linda Kick have, have done lots of work in Africa and so we're going to have an opportunity here to hear from them, but also not just to hear from them, but see how we can get involved, how you can get involved to help support the work there. Amen? So can you please give Bud and Melinda a big hand this morning as they come? Thank you, Pastor. This is the Bud part of the, of the duel here. She's not feeling too well, so she's just going to rest over there. Um, you know, David had a harp, but, man, we got a worship team. We got a team. Man, that was good stuff. We should give them a hand. Let's give the worship team a hand. That's good. You know, we, um, we have. We, we started our journey, I guess, 2004. I went first on a missions trip. Um, it just got deposited in me uh, by God. Uh, I had absolutely no idea whatsoever that would be happening to me. Um, but I've been in the building business my entire life. My parents were in the building business. And uh, it was just natural for me to do construction. They'll actually be putting some stuff up here while I'm talking, so you can glance up there every once in a while. Anyway, uh, that's, that's places we've been and work that we've done. And uh, so we went primarily as construction missionaries. Um, we would, we would uh, come alongside of missions, any biblical, let me, let me, Make sure that's on there. Biblically based 
ministry that needed construction work done. There's a lot of, uh, when we got there, we realized there was, there was the laborers in the construction part of things are pretty few. Uh, especially that was our expertise, my expertise. My, my wife's whole family is in construction, so we pretty well had the construction thing handled. So we, we just felt that's where God was placing us. Um, then he actually, he put us in a ministry called Shelter Them Ministries. Uh, we have a, a website, shelterthemministries.org, and we're on Facebook also. You can kind of see what, uh, what we do there. But, you know, um, one thing that we did learn, um, that the Holy Spirit doesn't, you know, he doesn't see American followers of Christ. He doesn't see Asian followers of Christ. He doesn't see African followers of Christ. He just sees followers of Christ. That's it. We're, we're members. And, you know, I want to I take a read a quick thing here. First uh, Corinthians 12, Paul explains the, the, the body, the body of Christ, how we're all connected and unified. Um, I'm going to go through. It starts in 12, 12, and goes to 28. I won't read all of it. But for the body is, is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. Verse 14, for in fact the body is one, not one member, but many. 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And here's the thing that he says in t- verse 26, and if one member suffers... All the members so suffer with it. When you leave, I don't know how many of you in here have been in, been in uh, the missions field or in, in poverty-stricken areas. Um, when you see the, the poverty and, and the things that people live under, um, it really gets a hold of you. Uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of Christians there. And, you know, that really caught me when I read that scripture, it meant so much more to me to see the suffering that these people do for the sake of Christ. I mean, you, can, you hear about them every day in the news and, and things of that nature, persecutions and things of that. But there's, there's just a lot of suffering that goes on outside of America to, to the body of Christ. The thing is, is we're to suffer with them. We're, we're to come alongside of them and do something for them. Uh, it's, it's not what we have, it's what we give. And the Lord really, uh, we, we left in 2004, we, uh, I did, well, I was just over there on a mission trip, kind of like Jeremiah's thing, and then, uh, but I thought just going to Louisiana was a missions trip. But anyway, uh, anyway, he's not in here, is he? Anyway, so we, uh, so it, it escalated and escalated and escalated, and, uh, and then 2000, we had made many trips, um, as I said earlier, that you know, there were some trips that we just didn't think we were going to be able to make. We wanted to take our two youngest with us in 2006. It was $10,000. We really see no way that was going to happen. But we went ahead and said, okay, yeah, we're going to do this thing. So we had only raised $1,800, and we only had like three or four weeks left to remain in the balance. And, uh, the, the, uh, and we just didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen. And there was about three or four weeks left, and, and the team leader, the pastor, come up to me and said, hey, it, somebody covered the rest of your trip. So, I mean, I was going to say, with God, all things are possible. I mean, they just stepped right in there. And we never knew who it was, and we never asked. You know, he just said, you're covered. Don't worry about it. So, amen. But the Lord has done a lot of things um, and showed my wife and me 
the big picture on a lot of things. Uh, we left in, we went for three months in 2011. We knew then that we were supposed to spend more time there. Um, and so we came back to the States. We sold, we put everything we had up for sale. We ended up selling it uh, late 2011, early 2012. Um, turned, we were in the construction business, turned that over to my son-in-law and uh, went into the missions field in the beginning of 2012 and came back in 2014. Um, one of the, well, the main reason we came back is we, we lost all of our support. And at that time, that looked pretty devastating to us because we had so many projects. We were, the relationships that we had started there were so important to us. Um, we just had just incredible relationships with these wonderful people that we had met that God had put into our lives. But we didn't see the big picture. Uh, because if we would have had funding, what God did after that would have never happened because we'd still be there. And one of the things is um, we came back for about the first six months, we were kind of in this funk that, okay, what do we do now? You know, we were really kind of uh, distraught to be, me, I was, I don't know about her, but I was, I was like, wow, we started so many projects, and then not all of them were finished, and quite a few of them weren't finished, as a matter of fact. So we, we, um, so we started praying and asking the Lord, okay, what's our next step? And I guess it was not too long after that, the next several months after that, the Lord put it on our hearts that as we were building relationships in, in Swaziland, we were in Zambia, Zimbabwe, uh, Tanzania, the two young men that will be up here in just a minute, I want to turn this over to them in just a little bit, Collins and Ethan, they were with us um, for a long time, all the time. Um, they loved my wife's cooking. She came back to the States, and all they could ask me is, when's mom coming back for cooking? Anyway, so we, we had, and uh, we spent just a tremendous amount of time with them. And they're indigenous, and they're they're Swazis, and there's a lot of uh, missionaries come and go. Missionaries, probably, well, almost all of them, are, a lot of them are just uh, in a situation where, you know, they lose funding, they're there for two or three years, or they're with a, they're with a denomination that says, hey, we're sending you over here. So they kind of, you, you find that most missionaries are only in one place for several years, either because of funding purposes or the, they're, sending, uh, they're sending church or sending unit. They send them somewhere else. But um, so anyway, we came back home. We started praying about it, and the Lord just put her, my wife and me both went to CF and I, put it on our hearts to bring the boys over to go, the young men, over to go to, uh, there, there are boys, but anyway, uh, to go to CF and I, that he really wanted to do um, some work through these two young men at CF and I. He basically wanted to change uh, the face of Swaziland through these young men. Basically what you have, and I'll let them kind of explain that to you here in a minute, is you have, you have a, a mixture of religions there that all Christianity's put with them, witchcraft is put, they're all just a group. And they're just all put together, and, and, but I'll let them kind of cover that here in a little bit. They know much more about that than I do. So we did. We, we, um, we, we, we just started praying about it, and, and it was quite a task. We, we learned about the bureaucracies of the governments and getting people and visas and, and all that. And actually, it, it was just one week, one week before school started, that we actually got, got all their stuff in order. So it was, it was quite challenging. But we did it. 
so in, in our, what, we, what the Lord has really put on our heart is to build an actual community through these young men in Swaziland. One cause for Christ, but it's got to be a community. You can't just build a church in Swaziland and a lot of places in Africa because they, they can't support themselves. So they're just, they're just churches. They're there for several years. The support's gone, and then most of them are vacant buildings. Uh, so what we want to do is build a pastoral home for them, a church for them, schools, um, schools, education centers, actually a workshop to teach people how to actually make money. I mean, they're, they live out in the rural areas, and there's just, there's just no way. There's, there's, there's no schooling. It's, uh, they'll kind of kind of talk, tell you about that here in a minute, like they did in the first service, that you, know, you get to a certain point, and that's it. I mean, there's just nothing past that. They have no way to support their families and things like that. Our first task at hand right now, obviously, is getting them through school. Um, they've got two years to go. Um, so, um, but we can't do any of this without the body's help. So it takes all of us together. But Collins, Ethan, why don't you come up? They have been here for, how long have you been here now? Since July. They came in the heat. They thought, you know, it gets hot in Swaziland, but it wasn't like Texas. <laughs> they were like, whoo! <laughs> this is Ethan, my boy. Love you. And Collins, love you, man. These guys have been such an inspiration to us. Uh, we've seen what they came through, how they grew up, because you see a lot of orphans and a lot of children in the same situation. And... Uh, to see what the Lord's done in them, and amen. I want to hand it over to Ethan. Thank you. It's still morning or afternoon, church. My name is Ethan um, Zevele. I'm from Swaziland, and um, I'll be turning 27 years. In June 27, I'll be turning 27. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's powerful. Um, uh, I'll start with my, I'll share my uh, testimony, a little bit of my testimony, and and what God has planted in my life. Um, so I grew up in, in a village. Okay, I would say village because, but in Swaziland we call it a rural area. There's rural area and urban area. That means urban area is the city, but then um, the rural area is the village because some of the countries, they call them villages. So um, I grew up there uh, on my mother's side family. I've never grew up with my father. Uh, yeah, he died 2005, but even though he wasn't there in my life, and, um, as I was growing up, you know, uh, I grew up in a very difficult, um, I would say, it was really tough for, for me to grow up in my mother's side um, because I was with my uncles, you know, those are, um, it was really tough. And, um, I remember that I've never go to preschool as like normal children. They go to preschool to start their education. For me, I didn't, um, instead of going to preschool, looking after cows, that's what I did. Looking after cows, taking them to the feed, to the mountain, all the stuff, as young as I was. And then, because of my mother wasn't there, she was in the city trying to seek for job, you know? And then, um, she came after a year, and then uh, that's when I had to go to first grade. So she took me to the f school and negotiated for me to, to be in the first grade without um, a preschool. 
and it happened, you know, because God has a purpose. So um, as things going up and I really face some challenges because um, my uncles would be very harsh on me because I'm not their child though. So there would be everything they would put on me, you know. Um, I don't have to go and play, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that. You know, if I don't do it, I'll be in trouble. I, um, I've never been spanked, but I was beaten. You guys, I know that you spank your kids. For me, I was beaten. Um, he, he can beat you with whatever he finds. He can kick you, he can punch you, you know. Uh, I, I'm lucky that I didn't lose my teeth or, or, or eye, but uh, it was really tough for me as a kid to grow up in this way, and it built anger and hatred in my life, like for real life. I, I had that anger, you know, because I had to fight to protect myself. Unlike kids that are always on the, you know, kids, they report to their parents, hey, mom, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, or dad, this is what's happening. For me, I had to fight for myself in any chance I get. So um, I know how to sleep without food, not just for one day, but several times. I know to sleep outside there in the bush because I'm trying to escape from my uncles that want to beat me or Sometimes they'll even tell you that, you know, I'll kill you. So those are things that are bad, you know. So I had to run away, go to the bushes and try and hide there. I remember one time I slept in a crawl with the cows. You know, there was one cow that was very stubborn, and I like it. And I would come close to it and uh, so that I can feel warm. You know what I mean? It is warm during the night. So that's what I did. Um, I know that. But then, you know, through all that, God came to my life. Okay, I... Before that, I engaged myself to soccer. I was playing soccer the whole life, whole time. I would play soccer because in soccer, that's where I would find myself. Like, um, I would hear people telling me how much they love me, how much they want me to come and play for their team, you know. Uh, you know, tell me how good I am in soccer. You know, those are were powerful words in my life. Like, you know, man, you did good. You're good at this, you know. We want you to come and play for our team because we need somebody like you. You know what I mean? That, that was really, really awesome. And then I engaged myself into soccer in a way that I, I take it further. Like I'll go to witchcraft so that I can be better in playing soccer using witchcraft. Ah, that's pretty bad. But then I, I did that because I wanted, I, the only thing that I wanted, I wanted those words that, hey, man, you're good. You know, so we need to take this into another level. So that's what I did. And then um, I received Christ through soccer. That's funny, you know, uh, oh, that's, that's wonderful. I received Christ through soccer because you know, guys, that you cannot go for fishing and put a banana in the hook. You cannot catch fish on that. No, but if you want to catch monkeys, you can give them banana. They can, you, you, you can catch them. That's what happened to me, you know. God uses soccer, the thing that I really love to catch me. Because uh, one guy just invited me to church, to their church, because in the church they were playing soccer after service. Every after service on Sunday, they would just take a group of guys and go and play with the other churches or with the community team, you know, to make fellowship and preach the gospel to the, to the guys. So I joined that church going with them because they said we play soccer. That's why I decided to go to that church. 
because I know afterwards I'll play soccer. That's my favorite. So I did that several times and being with them, I remember the first day, you know, I was playing with the pastor. He was there in the field. I was so amazed with that. And then I scored the goal and I will never forget that goal because we won with that goal. And I was like, yeah, I'm the man. So, um, so as time goes on, um, I asked them that, hey, guys, are you playing soccer even next week? They said, sure, yeah, you're playing soccer every day. Every Sunday, I started joining the church, and then I quit playing for my team because in my team, I realized that, you know, I've been doing the bad stuff, like witchcraft, they do that. So um, I quit, and then I started coming to church because I found love. You know, you know the, the, I was doing the thing that I really like. That's awesome. And then I have to meet my father here and my mother. This is my father. I'll be tall next time, but this, this is my father. Um, and then I had to, they came in 2011. I have to meet them in Swaziland. They came as missionaries and, you know, they speak love unto me, life, also in my life, you know, telling me how much they love me, you know, telling me that I have a purpose, you know. That, that was really good to hear a, a, a figure, father, telling me that, you know, he loves me. That was awesome. So uh, I, I had hope that, you know, which means life doesn't just end there, but they still... I have hope because um, they showed love unto me. My mother, yeah, yeah, cookies, he was really good in cooking, so I love it. So um, uh, they spend a quality time with us in Swaziland because that's where I have to meet also Collins. They showed love more than anything. That's all I, that I needed in my life. I needed someone who tell me that how he or she loves me because I never grew up with that. So that was really good uh, 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 having them in my life. And then God has been opening doors ever since um, for me to, and Collins, you know, to, to, to further to share the love that he has planted in me to the other kids in Swaziland. And I don't want uh, to see the kids in Swaziland, in the communities, to live the way I did because it was horrible. I, I don't. I, I, I want to bring hope to the community of Swaziland. I want to. We want to bring a life, because you know, if you can go there, seeing the kids uh, during winter time walking barefooted because they have no shoes on and uh, they're hungry. There's no food, and you know, it's really bad. I want to. We want to build an orphanage that you can bring the kids. And I want to minister to them as young as they are. You know, unlike me, oh, that the way I grew up, it was really bad. But I want to bring hope to them, you know, because where there's no hope, there's no life. So uh, I want to bring hope to them, minister to them, and tell them how much Jesus loved them. But not that to tell them, also to show the love that they, they deserve. Because they are the world changers. So uh, that's, that's really what I want. And, you know, but we cannot do that without your help as a church. We need your help to help us on, on that part. I know that maybe you cannot go to Swaziland, but we can. We can go to Swaziland. And also you can play your part on that. And God is always speaking. He's speaking right now to you, to your heart, right now as I'm speaking too. 
about the missions. We need to support that. I, I wouldn't been here if it wasn't for them coming to Swaziland as missionaries and showing love to us. They play their role, so we have to do it also. God bless you. Uh, my name is Collins Mamba. Uh, I'm a Swazi. I was born and raised in Swaziland. And just Ethan has just shared a lot about Swaziland. There's a lot of things which are going on in Swaziland. We are called a Christian nation. They said it's about 80, I mean 85% Christians, but I don't know if that's very true. We have a lot of churches which are preaching their own gospels. You have a lot of churches, a lot of people calling themselves Christian, but they are not living the way they're supposed to live. They're not act the way they're supposed to act. Even pastors, they don't preach the gospel that they are to preach. So I think God touching our hearts and our lives and touching their lives coming to Swaziland will impart the whole country, the whole country of Swaziland. Because I was raised by a single parent. I never seen my mom. I mean, I never seen my dad. I, I was raised by my mom. But my mom also was, wasn't there. She was there, but not there. And my dad is alive, and he is there, but I never seen him. My mom, at least, I know her. She's been there for me, but not fully there. She's been a mom by figure. She's there. And she's not like she's, she doesn't want to support or doesn't want to do something, but there's nothing she can do. She is there, she's lovers, but in Southern there's this thing, you can never hear the word I love you from your parents. You will never hear the word I believe in you from your parents. It's very, very different than what we experience here. So meeting dad and mom, they just came to my life and just give me hopes and give me my future. And now I know who I am just because they came into our lives. They know, they told us they love us, they believe in us. They know that God has created things for us. So being their mom and my dad, it's something, it's a gain for me. It's like a package because through them, I get to know Christ in a deeper level, in, a higher, in higher dimensions. Because they came and they showed love and they speak life into my life and they spoke uh, something which I never even know and thought about my life. They came and just, I don't know how to explain this, but it is beyond, it is beyond. Maybe they came for their own mission. They never know maybe that they will meet us, but them meeting us, it changed our lives, and I believe their lives were changed too. So, <sighs> it's, <laughs> I don't know. I cannot explain this. It's very, very, very hard because a lot of people, when they finish their high school, it becomes the end of life. Some of them they don't even go to high school. They just go to grade one or two, grade eight, then that's all. Then that's all. You just, there's nothing like, you know, when I finish my high school, I'll do this. They will know I finish my, uh, my I, I will, there's no way that you know that you will ever go to college or do anything after your, your first grade to the eighth grade. But they came and they did something very great in our lives. They didn't just do it, it is because they were called to go to Swaziland. And they said yes. 
they received a call from God to going to Switzerland, and they said yes. And they came, they bring that, that love to us, and we accepted it. And we just find our true identity in Christ. That now we know what God wants in our lives. So now it is our desire that we go back to Switzerland and transform the life of the people of Swaziland, most especially the kids, starting from the young ones to the youth, to the older ones, because a lot of people are there, they are unemployed, they are doing nothing, they, they just live, their lives is just like revolving on a circle. They don't like thinking of something great because there's no opportunities there. So our desire is to go back to Swaziland and plant a church, an orphanage, a school, a training center, or a place Oh, a place or a community that would be a life-giving community into the people of Swaziland because we want to give life, we want to give hope, we want to just demonstrate the love of Christ, then preach the pure gospel of Christ because we have a lot of churches. That the, the gospel that are preaching is very broken. So we want to bring life and bring hopes and bring Christ to them. We want them to see Christ because these days, these uh, religions which are coming into Swaziland, they just come and build churches and build homes, then build schools, then build clinics. So these people are just going straight to these uh, religions, like Muslims. They just come, those ones, they just come straight. They ask you, what do you want? You'll be like, I'm hungry. They just buy food every month. They just support you every month. So Christianity seems like is nothing. It's like when you are a Christian, you're just nothing. So we want to be a life-giving community, life-giving church. We want to just uh, open jobs for the people. We want, to, want them to just see their lives moving to the next level because when they see these uh, broken uh, uh, I mean, religions coming in, they come and provide everything that the people need. So we are trying to do the right thing. We are trying to do what God called us to do. So, but we cannot do it without your support. We cannot do it without you. you send, I'm very much glad because they came and they showed love. They showed the pure love of Christ. They just came and be the hands and the feet of Christ into our lives. Now we want to show the love of Christ into, the, into our fellow Swazis. On another note, thanks guys. One of the things we want to do is, um, if the Lord, is, like he was saying, the Lord was speaking to you, we want to, we want to get a committee together that meets once a month. Um, I've already talked to Pastor about it, and and just kind of we can brainstorm, we can f do fundraisers. I, I know that you know, well, with God, nothing is impossible. I mean, and, and we can we can get to the point where we're in this long term and to multiply uh, this community to build these communities. Like they were saying, there's. A lot of different, uh, well, I didn't even bring it up the first time, but the Muslims are coming in, and they bring in a, a ton of money with them. And so basically what they say, oh, we can, we can give you this, we can give you that, we can put your kids through school, we can build your houses, but Allah is the one doing this. And when you're a very, very, very poor person, you don't really care who's doing it. You'll give your allegiance to anyone, but that's something that they, they are moving into that area. So it's just something to keep in mind. I got an African question for you. Did you see the pictures of the zebras up there? Are zebras white with black stripes or black with white stripes? Pastor? Yes, the answer is yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I just want to say for a minute, um, 
To be honest, I'm not much of a visionary. I'm a more practical person. Eric is the visionary, so he dreams big, and then I start immediately trying to break it down and seeing how practically we can make stuff like that happen. But when I met with these guys and just, you know, they had a very short amount of time to share with you what's on their heart for that nation. And when I met with them, I could see how we could have a big part in changing that entire nation. And it made sense to me. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to send these two guys back and, and you know, they're going to change the nation. It really makes sense, the impact that these guys can have over there. And, you know, here in America, we have programs when kids are unwanted and their parents don't take care of them. We have programs to step in and, and help. Yes, they're flawed. I admit that. But we have people who can step in and take care of it. They don't have that. And there are orphans everywhere over there who have nobody looking after them and nobody taking care of them. So then people come in and take advantage of them. And I just want to encourage you, in, in, this is a long-term partnership that we have with them. And when they go back to Swaziland, your American dollar will do a lot over there. But before that happens, these guys need to get trained up and then sent back out. And that is going to be very costly. They're, they're in Bible school right now, and they're depending on our partnership and the partnership of other churches that they've been to to help get them that training. And so I'm asking you, One Cause Church, to help us partner with these guys to finish their education so we can get them back over there. We're going to be taking teams over there. We've got Abby Santos over here who's going to start connecting us with all of our missionaries and finding out what certain needs that they have so that we can help meet their needs on an individual basis. But this is the individual need right, there, right now for these guys to finish their education at CFNI. And so if you have resources or you know somebody that does, let's get these guys trained out so that they trained up so that they can go back over there and we can start seeing the fruits of the impact that this is going to make because I do believe it's going to be big. I believe it's going to be huge over there. And I think that uh, their hearts and their passion and their fire, I I can't see anything but great things coming from that. So I just wanted to share that with you. And uh, I'll turn it back over to Eric now. That's good. That was, that was wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. You're very inspiring. I don't think you maybe understand just how inspiring you are. But uh, you move our hearts. And Bud and Melinda, are, you know what I love about this couple? Is these are real people who want to make an impact. And they do, they use what they have and give it. They use what they have. He's a construction man. He didn't go over there preaching the gospel everywhere. He didn't go over there as a, as a pastor. He went over there as, I can use my hands. But that, them being there and just having conversations and showing love in just everyday kind of contacts changed these guys' lives forever. So it's not about having to have the right sermon or have the gift of, oh, I could never preach to anybody. Can you love on somebody? Yeah. Huh? Because that changes lives just as yeah. much as anybody else. Yeah. And now these two guys are going to go set that nation on fire because this couple came and set them on fire. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's exponential what can happen in just us reaching out and loving, loving others. Isaiah said, uh, Collins brought this up earlier. He said, who will go for us? Isaiah chapter six, and whom shall I send? And Isaiah responded, here am I, send me.
These are two young men who are saying, here am I, send me. And I want to get behind them and send them. There are those who go and there are those who send. We're one of those. You're one of those. So I want to encourage you to do your part in that. Amen. So at the end of the service, uh, they're going to be out here. Um, and if you want to, I want to encourage you to stop by. They've got a table out there with some more information on what they're doing and how you can get involved and how you can uh, be a partner with them. Okay. Uh, they also have more, a PayPal account where you can give online as well. But let's, let's help these guys out and show them what One Cause Church can do. Amen. And I'm excited about One Cause Church Swaziland. How about that, huh? Yeah, community. Yeah, building a whole community for Christ. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being here today, and thank you for your part in this. Let's stand together. Father, thank you. God, thank you for <clears throat> this great message that has come to us that has been changing the world since it was first uttered, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and God so loved the world he gave his son. And Father, we thank you for that, what that message means to us, that message of love, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You demonstrated your love for us in that. Hallelujah. Father God, I pray that we would be people who are purposed in your love wherever we go. Lord, that even though they might be in sin, they might be lost, they might not look like we think they should look or act like we think they should act or talk like, that's not the point. Lord, that the love of God is the greatest thing. And that even in the midst of all that trouble, all that darkness, you came and demonstrated love. So Father, we thank you that that love has the power to change a life, to change a family, to change a city, a nation, a world. So Father, we're, we're committed to do our part yeah. as your people. We understand that we can't do everything, but Lord, we can do something. And as we all come together with a, in a collected effort, God, we can do something marvelous, yeah. something that leaves an imprint on this world forever. So, Father God, we're committed to that. And we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to be a part of something that goes beyond this lifespan. But as, as um, Maximus and Gladiator said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. So, Father God, we want to be that kind of people with that kind of purpose to make echoes in eternity for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.